Hello and welcome to Filibustering History, a podcast series where we discuss what historians do with their lives. I'm Rob Denning, lead faculty for the history programs at Southern New Hampshire University's College of Online and Continuing Education. 2017 is coming to a close, and it's been quite a year. There's been a lot of debate in the public sphere over the use of history, the meaning of history, the significance of history this year. It's perhaps not surprising that in this hyper-partisan era, some of our most active political and social debates revolve around historical issues, such as Confederate War Memorials, the Second Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, civil rights, such as police brutality, sexual harassment, racial discrimination. There's been so much debate around these historical issues, and these debates, of course, get muddled when you start introducing weird terms like alternative facts and fake news to the mix, that it is harder now than it has been in most Americans' lifetimes to gain a sense of truth and reasoned argumentation. It's for this reason that I think historians and their contributions to our cultural knowledge are important, perhaps more important than ever. Historians spend years of their lives learning how to evaluate data and arrive at conclusions that are significant to the broader public. Now, historians are people, and they have their own political and social biases, but they are also professionals who are trained to go where the evidence takes them, and not to only pursue evidence that supports a preconceived idea or conclusion. They care passionately about the past, and they care passionately about the presentation of the past to the modern public. We were in a kind of golden age regarding the presentation of the past to the public. The internet has created countless opportunities for sharing information, and there's been an explosion in the amount of historical information available online. Libraries and archives are digitizing their holdings. Long-winded speechifiers and filibusterers like me are creating podcasts and videos for other academics and for the broader public. Genealogists are helping people create personal connections to the past. The sheer volume of historical information out there is mind-boggling. This volume of information also provides new career opportunities for historians. Professional historians are no longer based solely in universities and colleges. Professional historians are all over the place now, as I hope this podcast series has demonstrated. We've talked to archivists, grade school teachers, government officials, private consultants, and even some traditional academics. But I hope this has given everybody a good sense of some of the careers available to history students. Now, don't worry. We're not about to stop. After this episode, we're going to take a few weeks off for the holidays and to generally regroup. Sometime in January or February, we will start posting new interviews with another exciting group of historians. We will also start posting, in early 2018, new episodes to our sister podcast, History Soundbites, where historians present their original research into some really amazing topics. Good times are ahead, my friends. Okay, moving on. Today, I am talking to Adolfo Mendez, a recent graduate of the Master of Arts program in history at SNHU, who now teaches history and social sciences at a middle school in Galveston, Texas. Though this is a short discussion, Adolfo has a lot of useful things to say about a career teaching in grade schools. So what is your name and what do you do? My name is Adolfo Mendez, and I am an 8th grade social studies teacher in Galveston, Texas. That's on the Gulf of Mexico. All right, and what is your academic and professional background? I graduated about a year ago with a master's degree in history from Southern New Hampshire University. What are your research and teaching interests? Well, if I had the time to research, I'd like to research the religious and economic factors that shaped 19th century America. I think more research can be done to illuminate the relationship in this time period between those two, religion and economics. And how did you end up in your current job? 
Well, when I was a graduate student at SNHU, I was also in an um, alternative certification program in Texas. We've all heard about teacher shortages in the public school system, but let me illustrate how serious it is. I graduated from SNHU with a master's in history, and six months later, I was hired to teach history in Galveston. But of course, I had taken the steps necessary to prepare myself to be able to take advantage of such an opportunity when it presented itself. You have to be very intentional about these things. At the time, I was living in Chicago in the SNHU program and in the alternative certification program in Texas, living in one state and uh, involved in programs in two different states. So I was prepared to relocate to Texas at my expense for the teaching position. I'm happy to say that a year later, after having taught here, I passed my certification exams in Texas and I have received the standard certificate. So having a master's degree makes you highly qualified to teach, but you do then have to pass a couple of state exams to be fully certified to teach at the elementary and high school levels. So if any of uh, your student listeners are interested in pursuing this option, they'll find all the answers to their questions from any of the Texas Alternative Certification Programs. Just Google it. And how would you describe a typical day in your current job? My workday begins at 7.30 a.m. and ends at 4.30 p.m. Those are the hours that form my contractual obligations. But work hours vary based on the school district. And my day is filled with classroom instruction, meetings, conferences, lesson planning, just about everything you would expect a public school teacher to be doing. And of course, there's the work we take home so we can finish grading and uh, lesson plans. So it's a lot of hard work, long hours. What advice do you have for listeners who want to break into your career? Well, two things. You need to know the how-to, and I would argue that you need to consider your motives. Let me explain. First of all, to learn the process, the steps, the requirements, all of this information is online. Just find an alternative certification program to work with. Now, I worked with a group called Texas Teachers, but there are others in Texas, and you can accomplish the same thing with other groups. So you have options if you don't have a traditional education degree. But what I have discovered more fully after teaching for a year is that if you really don't like young people, you should seek employment elsewhere. Now, some people have to try a job before they'll know they'll like it, obviously. For example, I heard about a person with a Ph.D., who took a teaching job at a high school, not in my district, but elsewhere in Texas, and then realized that this job wasn't for her. It's a tough job. You need to get up to speed very quickly on the demographic profile of your students. And if you're going to be successful, you cannot afford to be ignorant about the intellectual, physical, and emotional developmental characteristics of students in different age groups. You'll need to know how to talk to parents, how to create age-appropriate lesson plans that are engaging, rigorous, and are aligned with the state's teaching standards. You know, students don't care that Mr. Mendez has a master's degree in history. They want to know if I care about them. Now, their parents might care that I have a master's, and the school system certainly cares, but the student population is a diverse, never dull group, which is always full of surprises. And if you can capture their heart, they're more willing to work hard for you. Okay, well, thank you, Adolfo, and thank you to everybody for listening today. If you have any questions or comments on this podcast, or if you just want to send some season's greetings to a bunch of random strangers, please send me an email at snhuhistory at gmail.com. For filibusterers everywhere, I'm Rob Denning. 
Happy holidays, and we'll talk to you again in a few weeks. I'd like to add that uh, SNHU has a lot of great professors, but Dr. Denning, you are my favorite professor. Wait, what do you mean we can't keep that in the episode? It's one of the best parts. Fine, I'll cut it out.